Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Amanda Anchulenko. Amanda is a painter, textile artist, and author. Her book is called Wisdom at the Crossroads. It's a beautiful collection of reflections on her personal journey through change and what she discovered on her own healing journey following a major turning point in her life, which we'll discuss. It's filled with a mix of meditation and spiritual insights, as well as her colorful paintings. Today, Amanda additionally hosts a podcast under the same name, Wisdom at the Crossroads. And on her show, she shares the backstories of her individual artworks and then pairs it with a related meditation. Amanda says creativity has always been her avenue to presence. And I love that this conversation is a combination of wisdom from one woman who found herself at a really important crossroads in her life, but also a peek behind the curtain of someone who's just a beautiful creator with her art and how she kind of gets into that process and has nurtured that important piece of her in different ways throughout her life. Let's get into it. All right, Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, Whitney. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about your book. It's called Wisdom at the Crossroads because it was at a crossroad, quite literally and figuratively, where your life came to this screeching halt. So let's start there because I know this was a major pivot point. What happened? Okay, it was a major pivot point. And I know I always, people often like to start with, one of the worst days of our lives when we think that things have turned badly and, and we've been encouraged to change, sometimes forced to change. But it was a really drastic day and it was a real drastic point in my life. But from that point, a lot of really good things came out of it. And I think the biggest lesson I learned was that we grow when it rains and we don't know what's coming down the pipes. We really don't know what tomorrow brings what is down in the future. So I think, you know, being present was the gift that I learned in that moment. It took me a while to come to that realization for sure, like maybe a couple of years even. But if I look back reflectively, that's the lesson I learned in that second. Are you comfortable in walking us through what actually happened literally sure. that day? Well, you have two girls, don't you, Whitney? Yes. I have two girls as well. And they were like probably tweens like almost teenagers not quite two years apart at the time I was the trying to do it all like I would drop them off at school I'd race to my studio because I wanted to have work time and the studio was my my sanctuary so I set my alarm and I'd come home but I'd pick up groceries and I'd race around and all the balls were in the air as you know and it was the last day of the school year of course it was raining I was not very far from the school I thought I have one more one more thing I can fit in before because we were going on a holiday and I turned at the intersection on the green light, a green arrow and a car ran the red light and I was T-boned. I remember, I could see it in slow motion happening. And it was just 
one of those moments where you're kind of like tossed about, like really tossed about. And then you get up and you think, I'm not, there's glass everywhere, but I wasn't bleeding. And I'm looking like, wow, I must have an angel on my shoulder because this could have gone terribly wrong. And I got out of my car and one, the driver's side was fine, but the passenger side was completely crushed. And had I had picked up my daughters like 10 minutes later, they would have been sitting at the point of impact. So I think I was just immediately grateful and totally in shock, of course. But, you know, I'm still new. I still I avoid that intersection. I don't drive through that. It's local. And I'm just mindful, I think, more mindful. You know, if, I, if you're tempted to run the yellow light or you've attempted, if it's raining, I'm always extra cautious and I'm, I'm extra concerned about people around me. You don't know what's happening in their lives or if they're paying attention and please don't be texting while you're driving. <laughs> Thank you for those practical reminders too. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes, I got chills in your book. It just caused me so much pause when minutes later you would have had your children in the car and that was the place where it was completely wrecked. I know that this was something from your, your first response that you reflected on a lot. And like we said, caused you to pivot. How did it impact the way you were leading your life at the time? I got in the car. My my husband picked me up. I declined to go to a hospital. I'm fine. I looked fine. And then, you know, the next day I couldn't lift a glass of water. I couldn't chop an onion. I couldn't put the groceries in. I was like, oh, I'm in rough shape. And I went to the doctor the week we came back from the holiday and early and I wasn't myself. I couldn't focus. I had a really bad, a severe concussion. And at the point, a few weeks later, I couldn't remember my mother's phone number. And my mother had never moved in my entire life. And so I was like, okay, something is wrong here. There were, the cogs weren't connecting and I couldn't carry. I like, I'm a lifter. I'm a, I swim a mile five days a week. I'm a morning person and activity and the physical, being physically fit and comfortable in my own skin is one of my stress relievers, but I could not, I couldn't carry my gym bag out into the car and I couldn't, I couldn't raise my arms to swim. So it was sort of, it was, I was literally hit over the head by the universe and said, you need to slow down. So I had to slow down. I didn't have a choice. And I think I'd probably had nigglings before. So they say, you know, the, the universe has lessons for us all, but we don't always pick up those lessons, you know, you get an inkling or you have one of those aha moments. Oh, yeah. And something comes to mind and you put it aside because you're too busy. You've got all the balls in the air. You've got to get kids to the gym, the pool, the soccer field. To, on that field trip, you've got to get them the laundry. You've got to make dinner and you know what it's like. You know, Because it is a busy time. And I think the casualty of my time in that part, that season of my life was the fact that I didn't give myself the care and concern that I gave to everybody else in my vicinity, in my realm. And that's coming to me out of my mouth right now as a realisation because you don't always, I am guilty as a mother and as a caregiver and a spouse and a friend as always giving, but I have to remember to put those things that I do for others and apply those to myself. So that's a, that's a lesson that I have learned. Such a powerful lesson. And I want to go back what you said so beautifully in the beginning of we grow when it rains. It also reminds me, I'm going to make sure to share out some of your images because they're just vibrant and it looks like a garden that's been well watered. You know, it's just (laughs) stunning. And I know there's been lots of reflection and growth between the point of your accident and where you are now. 
But looking at you now, I just feel like you live such an intentionally nourishing artistic life. It just comes off as just like aspirational, I really have to say. And I want to know how you today nourish this life and your inner artist, because if I had to guess, your accident has pointed you in this direction. Yes. Yes. I had a studio practice before that. Like I, from about 2001, I'd, I had a tiny little space that I shared and I'd get there maybe a couple of hours a week. And then as the girls went to school and I had time, I would drop them off at school and then I'd be, I was the stay-at-home mum in, in quotation, but I, I was not able to do my laundry or all those things because I was at the studio and I was just, that was my happy place and my sanctuary because I felt like I needed to help to restore some things for me and creativity has always been my avenue too. It's been my happy place, my soothing place, my calm place, a source of inspiration and just time falls away when I'm engaged in process, in the creative process. So, but my day sort of began at 10 to 3 because I pick up the kids and we'd be they were very athletic and we did I get home at about 10 o'clock at night but they always had a, a home-cooked meal that was sort of somehow <laughs> wedged in there but the studio became more so I think when after the accident I couldn't actually I could get to my studio but I couldn't actually do things at my studio so I became less of a human doing and more of a human being because I had to be quiet. I think I spent about six months. I spent the rest of the summer in my gazebo pretty much watching the squirrel hop and put down the fence and make this train. And sort of, so I got in touch with the elemental side of the world because I had to. I didn't have anything else that I couldn't read a book because I couldn't focus on the words and have any retention. So that's an actually turned me within myself to realizing a spiritual side of myself that I had never nurtured before. And that nurturing became through a course that I did on meditation and intuitive development, which I really didn't know what it was about at the time. I figured I'd learn how to meditate and I'd learn how to be quiet and I'd be, I'd be a little more comfortable with being still. And so that was the beginning of a 15 years worth of a psychic circle that I was part of, which I don't tell too many people about that story, but it really is a very fundamental part of where that accident led me. And where the writing of the book came about as a result of that, where the friend and medium who ran the circle said, you know, why don't you start, why don't you hold a pencil in your hand while you're doing your meditation, see what happens. And so that's pretty much where a lot of that came from. So the studio, as I got better and stronger and I healed, which took a long time, I got back into my studio practice, but in a bit of a different way. But I... I've always wanted to write and I always enjoyed writing and I think it brought me back to that love of words as another expression of creativity or as an extension of my creative process came to encompass more words. My words were not just utilitarian and reserved for Christmas letters and writing notes and connecting with people, but I was connecting in a bit of a different way. So, In your book, you say, a quest is defined as a search the pursuit of something difficult to attain, a long, adventurous journey. Question souls tread purposefully on this earth, seeking, requiring less logic and great trust and understanding. This is just two sentences from your book, and yet it's so rich to unpack. So tell us more what you're hoping to convey here. 
Well, I think the quest is something that we're all on. Like we're all searching. We're all individuals trying to find our way in this human journey. And I think curiosity, looking for things, trying things out, sourcing things, discovering where we go. We, we make choices every day and we make decisions every day and that leads us forward. But sometimes we can be really methodical and we can be planning and we can be, if I think of my husband, he's very logical and I'm creative. And so we kind of have always joked that we spiral around and he goes in a straight line and I spiral around, but we connect at the right points. So it's kind of a, a neat way to think of it. But the logical way of thinking is systematic and it, it comes at one thing follows another. Creativity sort of, it does spiral. It's a circular path and it's a circuitous route. And so we find our way in a different process. But the quest, I think, in any life, whether you're logical, whether you're creative, whether you're whatever, however you approach the journey, is about finding our way, seeking, being curious and being open to discovery. And I think when we have all the balls in the air and we're being really super logical, we don't often see the potential around us. And I think the creative path for me has given me a way of finding the details and the minutiae, of finding joy and light within the small things or the things that nobody notices. I, I remember being in New York City with my youngest daughter when she graduated from undergrad. And we both, we'd walked miles and I have an artificial knee, so it's a long, that was a good thing for me. It was a lot for me to be walking. She's mum. And she said she noticed we were both looking at some of the, some ancient piece of drain hardware in the on the bottom of the building. And she said, mum, did you, are you noticing that? Yeah, we both laughed because we're noticing this weird thing, like we're in the bottom of Manhattan and Statue of Liberty's over there. And she said, Mum, we see the world differently, don't we? And I'm like, yeah, hun, but that's a good thing because we're noticing the connections to history, the connections to place and the connections to our present through these different structures that not everybody sees. I just think that's a really remarkable gift. And I was, I was so grateful for that moment. It was just a nice thing. But that's what? part of the quest, our quest. Her quest and my quest are different, but they follow similar planes. I have another daughter. Our our journeys are different, but we connect on a different way. So every quest is different. And I, but I think curiosity, and um, curiosity is a big part of any journey. Whether we we actively like as an artist, curiosity it's, it's a given. But you know, people say I'm not creative. I'm like, yes, you. Are. I went to your house and look at that meal you prepared in the the way you displayed the food and how you made things like that's a different outlet for creativity. I think creativity is the foundation of everything, how you read, how you're conducting an interview, Whitney, how you, everything. What advice would you have for women out there who maybe are in that mom time of their life where they have a lot of balls in the air and either they are kind of feeling like it's a, it's a lot to carve out this, curiosity time or creativity time for themselves but they're longing for it what advice do you have exhale take a breath breathe and exhale and I'm actually doing a thing with my counselor she said she said you're really holding yourself she said learn to breathe more add more oxygen to your life and so there's this very simple very complex process I'm doing I'm learning to count to eight count holding my breath holding it for four and then exhaling for eight It's the hardest thing. (laughs) Taking that breath is really good. And I think taking a pause and giving ourselves permission to pause because before I dropped all the balls with the accident, they were all in the air and there were lots of them and I had trouble 
taking a pause because I would drop something or something you had to give. But being able to take a pause for ourselves, and I think the most important thing I learned on that meditative journey was that you can your meditation doesn't have to be hours long. It can be 10 or 15 minutes, and it can be the five minutes before you get out of bed, just taking counting those eight breaths in, holding for four, exhaling for eight breaths, doing that a couple of times. Taking the pause for ourselves because, you know, when you get on a plane and the air hostess says, you know, if the oxygen masks come down, please address your own before you assist others, we can't assist anybody if our cup is empty. So mm-hmm. we refill ourselves, our, our own resources first before we can help anybody to direct their resources. So I think the pause is the most important thing. And I think if I were to extend on that pause as where I am now with a 26-year-old and a 24-year-old, I would have liked to have gone back to those 10 and 11-year-old things and I would be making dinner. I would say, let's do takeout. I want to play with you. And mm. I wanted. I wished I had spent more time doing that. Like we did lots of things. They did lots of sports, but I wish I had more time just them right here in my vision and doing stuff, really connecting. Like unstructured time too, kind of? Yeah, to be able to play to pause and to just sort of, you know, maybe lie in the grass in the sun and look up and watch a cloud go by or, you know, sit in the garden together and ask a question or just just those little bits instead of, you know, as when kids are younger, we're rallying the troops to get in the car. We've got to do here. We've got, you've got, you've got ballet, you've got dance. And so we did a lot of things on the way. Like I don't regret the time that we spent because we did a lot of great things. And I remember driving them when they're both, everybody's looking forward, you have great conversations with your tweens because it's, it wasn't like confrontational. But I think even when they were littler, just taking a pause, taking all the moments because, as you know, like the accident taught me, everything happens for a reason. I'm sure there were reasons, but also things happen quickly and we don't often, we can't get a do-over. We can't go back and change that. Sometimes we'd like to, but we can just be where we are. So being present is the biggest gift. That's beautiful. I know that it's a struggle in a lot of the women in my community who have happen to also be mothers. It just, it seems like ushering from thing to thing and battling that it's just a good reminder that sometimes just doing nothing and being the human being with your children is the biggest gift. Thank you for that. My uh, daughter posted something on Instagram today and she's soon to graduate with a law degree. And I was like, I'm so proud of her, but I'm also, I'm proud that she's proud of her. And so I, when I think about what my biggest contribution has been as a mother, the gift of being a mother has been a great gift. And I'm so grateful to have had that gift and to see these young women now going from the kids that they were to who they're becoming. So that's what you have in, in store for yourself when your kids get there. So it'll happen fast. Yeah. One of the things that was just really interesting to me that you say, because again, you've got these gorgeous, vibrant paintings. You say your voice is clearest in color. Tell me what that means to you. (laughs) Well, I'm an Australian and I came to Canada when I was 25. So I had a very strong Australian accent. And when you come to a new country, any country with an accent, the vowels get tangled up. So I've been here for 30 33 years in Canada now. So my accent does not belong to Australia and it doesn't belong in Canada because it's really a morphed sort of weird accent that doesn't doesn't fit anywhere, but it is just what I have. So it is what it is. And so 
I found early in the earlier days in particular, I could be misinterpreted or people would sometimes they'd have that, you know, the head would tilt a little and that kind of listening a little harder or they're talking a little louder because they missed my jokes and they missed sometimes I think they missed what I actually said so I was misinterpreted a lot so I wrote that quote it's color quiets me color lets me sing it is my language in all its affectations of nuance of syntax of pronunciation pronunciation so you can't even pronounce it my voice is most clear in color because in my paintings, people got the message. They got that I was having fun with colour, that there were joy. I was looking for joy and seeking to express joy, regardless if that's what I was feeling at the time. But I was working in colour and colour relationships, exploring and being curious, which is kind of a definition of what my journey is, that curiosity, seeking, questing. And that comes out pretty clearly in my paintings, <laughs> in my studio life and my painting schedule. Didn't always come across with my voice because my vowels got tangled up and people said, what did she say? <laughs> so that's what I meant by that quote. It was kind of a way to explain I have an accent and I'm sorry you have to listen a little bit closer, but I'm trying really hard to be heard. <laughs> well, I love your voice. I, you know, I've listened to your podcast and there maybe that's why it's extra mesmerizing to me. <laughs> it's special. <laughs> you know, oh, special. My daughter said to me, Mum. Um, you put see people to sleep. I'm like, I think that's a good thing, hun, but I'm not sure how to phrase that so people think that's a good thing. <laughs> that's funny. It's not a snooze, but it's calming. <laughs> it's literally a pause. So it's it was funny when she said that. I'm like, good, hun. <laughs> are there any lessons that are on your heart today that you wish you would have learned earlier in your seeker's journey? I think to give myself credit along the way because we, we're we always going fast and faster and juggling more and more, but it's, sometimes it's good to do a stock take and say, where have I been in the last year or where do I want to go in the coming year? I ask myself the questions, if not now, when, and why not me? And I don't think it's ever too late to ask those questions. I would maybe have asked those sooner. And I would have maybe given myself some credit, a little more credit for all the things that I had done along the way. Because when you look back and you write, it's like, well, yay, yay me. <laughs> or, you know, and there are things, there are lots of things to learn. But I think sometimes the small things that get us from point A to point B, that might be just moving from A to B instead of A to X, those little parts all add up to make up the journey. And I think it's like, it's good to say, yeah, I did that. I'm glad I did that. And maybe celebrate some of the quieter unsung moments that don't feel life defining, mm -hmm. but it's, it seems to me that you were able to just live with a lot more intention and spaciousness yeah. in your life. And I'm getting older, I'm trying to do that, but it's easier to say from this point, because my kids don't need me as much in the same way. They don't need as as much physically, I think maybe more emotionally as they get older, but there's more time to fit in for ourselves as a mother or as a an elder or I'm not that old, but you know what I mean. As you know, there's some wisdom, and we have wisdom, and we we all have the wisdom within us. We have it when we're younger too, and I think when we're really young, we're in tune to it. It's just when we get in those middle years, from becoming like a teenager to like forty something that we're so consumed with the world around us and the the becoming and the growing and the 
I have to accumulate, I have to create, I have to have obligations and commitments. So we're so focused in that that we don't often stop to take a minute to reflect and give ourselves some credit. Like at the end of the day, we don't need to come home and say, I I need a glass of champagne to get through the day. It's like, I had a great day or I had a tough day. And I'm just going to take a minute to reflect on that and say, yeah, I can exhale now. I'm in my safe, comfy spot. I'm grateful that I had this day. I've learned something in this day if it's a bad one. Or I celebrate some of the small things that happened in this day because there are always small things to celebrate. Love that. I know you talk about helping women explore their own potential in unique ways. Are there any tools or practices that have helped you better be prepared to handle bumps in the road? Yeah, we all have them and we should expect them because that's how we learn. I think the the meditation has been a big part of that. I'm often surprised. For many years, I went to the studio and I'd get there about 9.30. If I didn't get there quite, if I got there late, I might be starting to go into trance or something. So I had to make sure I got there at the right time because I had been doing it for so long. And I would sit there and I would the actually in my podcast on the last, the I think it's episode 42, I think it's called. It's the second last mindful moment. I'll I'll find it for you and let you know which one. On that one, I get really vulnerable and I talk about the written med- meditation process that I use. And it goes into the details on it, even the kind of, let's call it a prayer. It's not officially a prayer, but it's a series of like a paragraph or so that I write longhand as an expression of gratitude and getting comfortable in the space. And it helps my writing hand to relax. And I move into this process of writing. That's really pretty much how the book evolved. And when I get into the rhythm of doing that regularly, I'm often surprised at how much I can accomplish through the rest of the day. Not that accomplishment is always my go-to goal, but if I have a list of things that I need to get to or I want to get to, then I'm surprised at how I have so much more concentrated energy after I've given myself the grace of that period of pause in the beginning of the day. So it's a fascinating process. So if you're interested in listening in, that might be one to listen into. I'm not always as vulnerable as I am in that episode, but I think if it helped someone to adopt some parts of it that might be able to then be adapted into their own program, that would be the ideal. It's not a direction or a distinct process. It's my personal process that people are welcome to take snippets of if they're so inclined. But it's been really helpful to me. And I think anyone who I've spoken to that has a meditative process not just to go through work through the hard things, but just to to work through any day, take 5, 10, 15 minutes to yourself. Some of the ones that I do when I do a written one can take up to an hour and it feels like the time has gone in a, in a moment. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for that process. And in sharing that process in the podcast, it's gotten me doing more of it myself. So it's also been a reciprocal gift, giving out as I've also been receiving. So that's a nice thing. It sounds like you've really continued to just get curious and evolve what helps you drop into this flow state. And when you do carve out time to let that process happen Mm -hmm. and tap into that, knowing that other things in your life flow just more easily. Is that a fair reflection? Yeah, I think so. And painting for me is the biggest way for me to drop into that flow state. And my studio is that my husband came for lunch the other day and I've moved 
I had about 800 square feet in a big old industrial warehouse in the exchange downtown for 20 years. So I moved to a tiny little space, but it has it's all windows on one wall. And I look out onto the river and the skate is going by at the moment. And it's just, the, I didn't even have the light on the other day. He said, wow, you, it's so lovely, the light in here. I'm like, oh, no, I haven't turned the lights on yet because it just glows. And it's such a restorative space. Like one wall is my paint wall. And we we were recently in Australia. I was seeing family. When coming back, it was an adjustment, climate and jet lag and all of that. And so I just went to the studio that one of those first, I just had to paint because I wanted to feel the movement of paint and a brush on a surface. And it just grounded me back into my place where I am. So it painting is my first love. And then the writing part has evolved as a complement to that creative outlet. Creativity is a gift and we all have it. And I hope others will find ways to seek their own unique gifts and their own creative essence because it is there. I think the world will be a better place because you've learned how to channel that. And I appreciate you sharing a, you know, a peek under the hood of how you're doing that. I always end my podcast with the same question. And that's what's one question women should be asking themselves more. I think there are lots of questions we could ask ourselves, but if I think of my relationships with other other friends and women, I think asking the question, are you okay, before we make a judgment about being offended by somebody or, oh, she said this or that, I think that's a great thing, asking the question. My daughter was saying something about someone. She said this and she was, she was upset. I said, maybe you should ask her she's okay. And I think checking in with each other is maybe a good thing because, you know, we all have ebbs and flows and that chi is always flowing, not always in the way we want it to. And life will do that because that's the journey. But I think if we support each other, connect to each other and to ourselves and ask, are you okay, is a great thing. Beautiful. I want people to find you. I want them to see you and connect with your color and your voice. So please share with my community, where can we find you? I have a website. It's Art. It's a contraction of my very long name. So Mand is me. Art is what I do. And .ca is Canada. That's where I am. So Mand.ca is my website. And you can find all of my blog posts, my podcasts. As a painter, it was a little contradiction because podcast is an audio thing and I have an accent and I'm a painter so it was kind of a, a sidestep for me but the, the whole intention about connection was there but the blog posts share the images that I talk about on my podcast so you can find that anywhere that you listen to podcasts under the same title as my book wisdom at the crossroads and you can find me on instagram at manned art canada wonderful yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a delight. Thank you for having me, Whitney. I'm really grateful to be here. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at, at @whitneywoman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.